Welcome, Defenders fans, to the Department of Defense. This is the Dodd Pod, your for the fans, by the fans source for DC Defenders discussion and around the XFL intel. Guaranteed in less than 30 minutes, I'm DR. And I'm Austin. We're here, Dodd Pod Episode 3, cuts, rosters, and kicking it with XFL Connor. Thrilled to have our first ever guest here on the Dodd Pod with XFL insider Connor Folk. Connor is uh, the XFL's Adam Schefter. Loge, you name it, couldn't be more excited to have him. We'll be discussing the upcoming release of official rosters as well as our cut surprises, insight on likely defender starters, league standings projections, and touching on what we've seen from the defenders in the league as far as building a sustainable spring league model. As always, podcasting goes best with a beer. This episode, we're drinking an 8% double dry hopped Imperial IPA featuring Mosaic, Citroen, Simcoe hops. Chasing visions of our future from Adroit Theory in Vent Hill, Virginia. Visions of our future of the DC Defenders season is what this podcast is all about. Austin, what are your thoughts on this beer right now? No, yeah, it's super light. Um, so I think they made this for podcasting. Um, it's also, I can see myself drinking this IPA on the beach. I'm not normally an IPA guy when it's 95 degrees outside, but this is light, citrusy. I could handle this with some sane notion. Yeah, the citra really comes through in the hops. I would give this a four two five on the untapped out of five rating scale. Um, I agree with your your thought that this would be a beer that you could absolutely drink on the beach. Uh, typically, an IPA is a little heavy for that, but this this really comes through nicely. Um, if you haven't had anything from Adroit Theory, uh, it's another Virginia beer. Never had a bad beer from Adroit. They have a really great reputation, um, and it's well earned. Uh, this uh, is is not a disappointment in the area chasing visions of our future for Detroit theory. Uh, talking about beer, we're, we're bringing on our guest, Connor, uh, not a craft beer aficionado. Not yet. Not yet. A craft beer. aficionado. Point well made Austin. Uh, but Connor, tell us, tell us about your favorite beer. Hey guys. Uh, first off, good to be here on a Sunday, you know, trying to avoid the Sunday scaries. Uh, you know, it's back to work, <laughs> back to the real job on Monday here. So great to be on with you guys after a pretty busy day after the DC defenders open house that they did. As far as beer goes, uh, like you said, not a huge aficionado as far as, uh, non light beer, cheap light beers go. But, um, when I worked at the Washington Redskins, I was there when they made a partnership with Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, uh, which is a bit, I'm, I'm a big fan of their work, uh, good regional beers. Um, they, in partnership, they actually made a beer with the Redskins called um, ATTR. It's uh, Ale to the Redskins. Um, it's going to be a uh, gold, kind of like a lighter lager uh, type of beer. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's beautiful part is, is when you make an official beer, uh, you get a lot of, uh, free beer to take home. So I was sure to take home cases and cases of that stuff. Oh, wow. That's a, that is a, that is a job perk for sure. Absolutely. It's one of the few job perks that I, I realized. <laughs> um, well, that, that's a, that's a great, uh, segue to, to talk with you a little bit about, um, sort of your role with, with the XFL and your experience. I know you have a kind of sports management background, uh, but tell us about the work you've been doing to sort of become the, the Woj, the Adam Schefter, um, sort of the figure who everybody's looking to, to bring, you know, the sort of breaking news from, from the XFL. 
how have you sort of found your way into that niche and, and reflecting back to you, uh, the thanks for having you on. We are really grateful to have you here. Um, so tell, tell us more about that. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So the XFL provides more opportunities than just to the scouts, the coaches, the players. I think it provides a great opportunity to fans to uh, try to live out some dreams, um, you know, and, and try to uh, monetize some opportunities associated with the league. So uh, from the get-go, I thought that the XFL was a great opportunity to do that uh, with my background, uh, with my sports management degree that I got from Georgia Southern University and my advanced sports industry experience. I've worked for a uh, local Washington, D.C. area sports agency. I've worked in college athletics as well. I did work uh, for around two and a half to three years with the Washington Redskins full-time as well, mainly on the business side, uh, a lot of fan engagement, client services, marketing, literally whatever they needed me to do. Um, and I felt like I could take that and, and provide a different perspective to overall coverage of the XFL. Um, I want to give a you know, good shout out to Mark Perry at XFL News Hub for giving me the platform to kind of get my start. Uh, still writing for that great site. If you haven't checked out XFL News Hub, I definitely invite you to do that. It is xflnewshub.com. We do consider ourselves the number one source for news. Uh, we are at the top of Google based on anything you search for the XFL. So definitely go check us out. That is xflnewshub.com. So through that, I kind of built this Twitter persona that's gained a lot of steam. I had 100 followers like two weeks ago. Now I'm about to hit 700, so I'm hoping we can keep this ball rolling. I, I want to be at 5,000 in the next few months. So <laughs> hopefully, once it's nationally televised, we get this thing going. You, yeah, you've blown you've blown right past us. I think we're sitting just a tad below 600 at this point um, of our uh, Defender fan club following. Um, yeah, you were you were not close to us when you you got started, but man, you've been <laughs> really launched in the past couple of weeks. It's been fun watching uh, that ascent. And uh, seeing seeing you really you know, take your place as uh, the the number one go to guy for XFL Intel. Um, thank you, I really appreciate that. <laughs> absolutely, thank thank you for all your hard work. I I, I know it takes paying your dues and and uh, sort of you know really really networking and and finding those connections to get yeah. That kind of- it's it's a lot of sneaking tweets at a very serious, uh, not tweeting environment job. So <laughs> that's maybe the riskiest thing I have to do is just constantly tweeting about stuff while I have uh, like, you know, Department of Defense officials breathing down my neck. So <laughs> hey, the Department of Defense is who you're with right now. So technically, um, you're working. So yeah, you're working. Exactly. Right exactly. Defense. I should um, be getting paid for this right now. Exactly. Defense, defense—it's the same word essentially. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of of the sports world, I think before we get started, we have to touch on the tragedy of today. Um, the loss of Kobe Bryant uh, has really impacted the entire sports world, and we've seen figures all over the map sort of uh, reflecting on Kobe and and his life and what he meant to them and what he meant to the sports world. We meant to the NBA. Um, for me, I, Kobe and I are the same age, and uh, his, his daughter that was tragically uh, taken with him in this accident. I, I have a 13-year-old daughter as well, so for me, it, it hit home. Um, he and I, you know, for the same age, I watched him grow up through the league uh, as an old guy. My my favorite Kobe moment is uh, his 60-point game, defying 
his age and defying any expectations. Everybody was saying Kobe's washed and uh, maybe the most Kobe thing ever. He just <laughs> to show I'm leaving on my terms. I'm not washed. I'm going to drop 60 on these guys' heads, even though I can't really jump that high anymore. I'm going <laughs> to just hit jumper after jumper and, and use spin moves and all the things that he, you know, worked as hard as anybody's ever played the game. Uh, he, he's a tribute to, to hard work and, and to the league and uh, just unbelievable. So many text messages with friends today. Um, I've been around basketball my whole life, and, and, and it was it was a big blow. Um, so my heart goes out uh, to the Bryant family and to the Los Angeles Laker community, the NBA community, and the entire sports world, and everybody everybody in it uh, for the loss of Kobe Bryant. Uh, really iconic figure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so so Connor, as we as we jump in, uh, I think the the first thing on everybody's minds is what what's the roster going to look like tomorrow. Um, you know, certainly across the league, but for us, you know, for the defenders, um, I know you went to the event today and that, that may have given you a little extra, uh, Intel, the, the draft diamonds report, um, that came out last week and you, you referenced this, what, what do you think the veracity is of that? Is that a hundred percent accurate? T- tell us more about your, about your read on the roster. And I know you announced a few changes today. Yeah, absolutely. So I did talk to some league sources uh, once that list came out, and I think I was as surprised as anybody else, as skeptical as anybody else. I I mean, when the league made that decision that on Monday the 27th, they were going to have a big announcement of all of their 52-man rosters, I figured that they were going to be a little bit more (laughs) tight-lipped on that list. But turns out, I talked to the Draft Diamond guys that uh, got this leak, and uh, they got it from an official league email. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty verifiable as being as accurate as possible. Now, the thing you have to figure is it's going to change around a lot from what you even saw on this list. Uh, for example, there's going to be a lot of players that were picked up off waivers. Uh, when a team picks up a player off waivers, they have to cut another person that may not be on this list. Um I can 100% tell you that it is not completely accurate. Uh, There's going to be some differences come Monday when they announce these 52-man rosters. But as far as just a random leak on a website, uh, this is pretty accurate. It gives you a pretty good understanding of some of the players that may not be affiliated. Um, I can tell you that just on the DC side uh, from being at the event today and them announcing almost the entirety of the roster – uh, a lot of guys on that draft diamonds list were not announced uh, at this event today. Um, so that includes uh, Raheem Moore. That includes uh, just Jordan Westerkamp. Uh, that includes Christian Socoli. Um, some big guys that the content team was consistently talking about. So yeah, kind of, kind of speaking on that, you, that was a uh, good point talking about our rumored cut surprises. That was our next topic. We kind of had our own, um, cut surprises as it rumored nothing's a hundred percent done yet so dr yeah. what were what were your big um cut surprises so far yeah well, so if you just want to talk about defenders i i was shocked about wester camp uh that really caught me off guard wow uh yeah i mean two of the names that that you said also raheem moore was a surprise to me Sokley was surprised to me um adrian robinson was another name just because he brought a real veteran presence and i, I really thought that's why he was in the camp and maybe just mm-hmm. in the camp. Um, but he, he's on that list. And that was another name that, that caught me off guard. And then one that's not on the, was not on the draft diamonds list that we heard a little bit of, 
about potentially was Reggie Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor, can you, you confirmation on on Cole? Uh, so Reggie Cole was not announced among the crowd today of players that they introduced, and um, I personally believe that Reggie Cole is probably one of the roster casualties as a result of some of these player pickups that I did share today um, based on some players that weren't initially on the DC defenders roster and are now going to be listed among that 52 man roster that will be announced tomorrow at noon Eastern time. Also, what about you? What, what struck you from the cut list um, that, that was disappointing or surprising? Um, Yeah, we were talking earlier about how, Obviously, we couldn't go down to Houston and watch mm-hmm. training camp. So we did kind of have to rely on the reports coming out. So it was kind of surprising to see some of the bigger names, such as Raheem Moore getting cut, because all the stuff I read on him seemed to be positive. But again, I wasn't in Houston. I had no idea what he was doing off the field or even on the field because I couldn't watch anything. So I was just relying on the internet and seeing how he did. So that Raheem Moore is probably my number one surprise mm-hmm. as well just based on what I read um, with within training camp. Yeah, and the interesting thing is is we as fans, uh, you know, maybe we should have saw the writing on the wall because they did trade for Shamarco Thomas, who is certainly a solid name. You know, he was a fourth-round NFL draft pick. Um, he has recent NFL experience. Um, he's a safety, and they pulled him in. So, you know, maybe we should have saw the writing on the wall that the safety position, it was somewhere that they were looking to improve. Um, and also, you know, let's just try to look at the bright side here. Um, when AAF players are getting cut, I think that that's a clear sign that maybe the XFL quality of play is going to be an improvement. Um, I think the XFL is cutting a lot of AAF players that all of us who watch that league will recognize. One other surprise a little bit for me, um, though I didn't hear a ton about him, all that I did hear was good. Joe Walker, uh, Mm 6'3 wide receiver out of Delaware, getting cut surprised me. And and the main reason was because he had an extensive history playing quarterback. And Mm -hmm. Like many folks, the double forward pass is something that excites me a lot. And I was looking at the receivers, looking for guys with a history of playing quarterback. So I thought, what an advantage to be able to throw the ball to a guy who has played quarterback and have that guy be able to pass the ball. And mm-hmm. so he was what I thought would stick. Um, I know uh, uh, Tyler Palka also mm-hmm. played quarterback at, at Gannon and Saginaw Valley State and, and did very well. Uh, so I yeah, figured they would keep – Maybe both those guys, but certainly one made one made the roster. Um, yeah, Joe Walker is a casualty of the uh, additional wide receivers that they acquired today. Uh, when they when they got Simi Cobbs, when they got Jalen Rowell, uh, they they clearly had to make that decision to cut some of these wide receivers. And like you said, um, I think Tyler Polka, uh, by all accounts, had an excellent camp, and uh, he's perfectly capable to, I think, be a weapon on that double forward pass so i'm excited to watch him you know he's uh the the xfl doesn't have like a ton of d2 d3 guys in the league um so i'm excited to see him you know hopefully get a little name for himself and and try to get back to the nfl as a as a former d2 athlete myself i i will be rooting for all of those guys um near and dear to my heart it's awesome to see those guys get a chance uh for sure um speaking of those those new incoming players who just recently signed. And, and again, tip of the cap, you you were the scoop. 
Um, <laughs> dropping the X bomb. Uh, yeah, the 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 Connor report, man. Um, really, really cool. Uh, I was excited to see Jonathan Mascoy, uh, who Masqua, who played for uh, the Iron. Um, I was, as folks know, I was an Iron fan, and uh, he was you know, one of the key key pieces on that defense, um, sacking the quarterback and, and manning the linebacker position. Um, mm-hmm. tell, us, tell us about the the pickups. You mentioned the wide receivers. Uh, it seems like you you know a little bit more about those guys. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, w- I was standing next to Mark Perry, uh, founder of XFL News Hub, when they were doing all these player interact it, um, player introductions. And Pep Hamilton said something interesting where he said, I have met some of these players on our 52-man roster for the first time today. That <laughs> set off alarms in my head because I'm like, oh my God, like they, they definitely acquired some people. And you know, I, I turn to Mark and I literally go, I'm going to lose my mind if they sign like Simi Cobbs because Simi Cobbs was like that number one name on that list that I did not understand why he was cut. And, and again, like we talked about, you know, I don't know if he was dropping some passes, but all I know is he was covered heavily by the content team, by both the league and the team as being somebody that was consistently a standout. And also we have to remember Cobbs has some height to him. I talked with him today and I like, he's consistently listed as like six, two ish. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's safely six three because he was towering over me, and I I, I know people that are six two, and I I just feel like he was taller than me. Um, and uh, as Pep Hamilton was making these introductions of players, boom, Simi Cobbs walks out. Wow! E- excitement, um, immediate name recognition for all DC fans. He was a Redskins preseason standout that was on the Redskins practice squad for almost the entirety of 2018 and was picked up by the New Orleans Saints and placed on their active roster at the end of 2018 season. Obviously, he wasn't able to, you know, get a permanent home with the Saints, but any Redskins fan should remember him. Um, Good size, good college career. I like him a lot. And then uh, Jalen Rowell was acquired as well. Great story there. He went to the Air Force Academy serve the country. He was covered by the league so heavily that he has a scouting report, which I shared on my Twitter account at XFL Connor. Um, big name there. And then finally, like you touched on earlier, Jonathan Massacoy, who was an excellent uh, rush defender uh, on the Birmingham Iron. Um, also a great NFL experience. I mean, he played for the Atlanta Falcons for three seasons, had six sacks over several years. One year he had four sacks. So, I mean, we know he has some pass rushing capability. Yeah, so Connor, I was mistaken. I said Raheem Moore was my biggest um, rumored cut. Oh, oh, no. I forgot. I don't know how, but PFT so commenter is my biggest rumored cut surprise. Was there anything said about him today or the people just kind of play it off lightly at the open house? Played it off, uh, you know, like not many people were talking about PFT. However, you know, we have the reports from late last week that the league's interested in bringing him on to Team 9. And Team 9 supposedly guarantees an active roster spot on some type of select team by Week 6. So, uh, you know, hey, we can still see PFT kicking some field goals. I just hope that with some practice, Mr. 35-yard can become Mr. 45-yard. Yeah, for sure. Um Accuracy is is most definitely most definitely important. Um, no, to to the Simi Cobbs and the the size 
component. You know, Walker was was one of two big receivers that were on the seventy man roster. Malachi Dupree was the was the other, and that was mm-hmm. another reason I thought Walker would stick. So your point about um, you know Simi being being a bigger receiver, I think is uh, is important and a, and a valuable pickup. Uh, I think this is a, a speed centered team for sure, but those big receivers in the red zone can be really yes. key. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so you bring you bring a really interesting background uh, from the from sort of the business side of sports. Uh, people keep saying that you know spring leagues are never going to succeed. The NFL is the only professional football league. Uh, you've you've maintained and said publicly that that you think the XFL is is different. And frankly, if the XFL can't succeed, then spring mm-hmm. leagues never will. Tell us mm-hmm. about your feelings and, and sort of how you reached that conclusion and what, what's your sort of inside intel in the league and, and why you think it's positioned to be successful in ways the AAF and, and others have not. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, like this may be a last hurrah, honestly. If if this spring league doesn't work out, I don't think there's any way I can be just as committed to an expansion football league as I've been with this and I was with the AAF and I was with the United football league. And, you know, I was with the AAFL, which was like before the UFL, you know, like I just don't know if I can do it anymore just because I truly believe if the XFL does not work, it is clear that um, spring football just won't work. Um, And my reasonings for that is uh, the funding behind it, the TV broadcasting deal behind it. The available talent that they have acquired, uh, you know, this is the best available football talent in the world that they've been able to put together um, onto these 52-man rosters. And I truly believe that. I mean, I think if you took the best XFL team and put them against, I wouldn't say the best CFL team, just because CFL teams have been together for years and years and years playing with each other in most cases, but if you put the best XFL team against maybe a mid-tier CFL team, I think that XFL team would win. And, you know, maybe that's my confidence in just like American-born players over a heavy Canadian-born roster like the CFL. But, I mean, these guys were just on NFL rosters. We have a lot of guys that were on practice squads as recently as December. We have quarterbacks that were drafted into the NFL. We have quarterbacks with playing experience. Um, the talent level in the XFL is over and beyond beyond, beyond the AAF, and and you know, kind of surprised me that it ended up that way. But I mean, they're pulling players that just seemingly had no interest in the AAF. You know, they got the Donnell Pumphrey, um, they got the Cardale Joneses of the world, they got the Landry Joneses of the world, and you know, I'm overall impressed with the talent they've been able to gather. Um, but it's money. Money runs everything, and as far as I've heard, uh, he's publicly stated this. Vince McMahon is prepared to bury $500 million into this league. And here's the thing. For spring football to work, you need to be willing to lose money. The XFL will lose money in its first initial seasons. But really all you have to do is get through the first couple seasons, prove that it's a verifiable product, uh, try to renew your TV deal, uh, where the TV broadcasters are actually paying your league to show their games, because obviously right now the broadcast deals uh, aren't really going to pull revenue for the league. And um, maybe they decide to decentralize the ownership of this league. You know, you have Mark Cuban, 
maybe Mark Cuban wants to buy that Dallas franchise down the road if it proves to be 20,000 fans a game with a viable broadcasting deal with talented players that get name recognition and move on to the NFL like the Tommy Maddoxes of the world from the original 2001 XFL, you know, playing in the NFL for a long career after that. Um, so I just see those things coming together, honestly. Those are, those are great points. Um, many, many of which I, I, I've thought about and, and many also that I had not considered, um, you know, the sort of the expansion of the expansion of ownership potentially, um, you know, outside of the sort of the league runs all yeah. <laughs> runs everything. Um, the idea of other investors like Mark Cuban or, or others coming in, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had not really thought thought that far down the line that's that's awesome um yeah i I mean we we sort of agree and that's sort of why we've decided to dive in is we think it's viable we think it's something that could last um and we're we're excited about this this dc team um which really takes us to to one of the the big things we're excited to hear about from you um and and to talk about with you is the the potential starters for this team knowing Mm -hmm. what we know about uh, these potential cuts and, and looking at the roster. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, about, you know, who we would project as starters. Um, Austin and I have kind of, you know, put together uh, a list and, and we're certainly curious to hear from you. Um, what do you think, what do you think the starters look like uh, on the defenders? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd like to go through each position, you know, feel free to interject if you guys have any questions or any thoughts on this, you know, starting out at quarterback, easy. Cardell Jones, you know, I've heard through the grapevine that he had a little bit of a rocky training camp at times, but, you know, that that's kind of natural. I mean, even understandable considering we've had a little bit of turnover of this offensive personnel, a lot of new wide receivers coming in. You know, we traded for Rashad Ross, and you know, maybe some people he was getting comfortable with were no longer with the team or something like that. Um, I still have full confidence that he's going to be a big impact quarterback in this league. Uh, but don't discount Tyree Jackson. My views on Tyree Jackson is if you put him with maybe like, three other XFL teams, he would be the starter. I mean, the defenders hit the jackpot with Tyree Jackson as a backup. I'm confident that he would be a starter if he had a full camp with another team. Uh, You get a running back. uh, Jarrell Presley, I think, is clear-cut the first, second down back. Uh, He led the AAF in rushing. Um, so I think he's a big get, you know, he's already proven that he can take the workload of a team and run with it. Now, third down back, I do think Donnell Pumphrey is going to get a lot of playing time, you know, for fantasy leagues, as far as like a PPR XFL league goes, he's going to be a uh, high potential there. Uh, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes as Cardale Jones looks for maybe an emergency, um, an emergency down back to, to toss to if he's feeling some pressure. Uh, you also do have Nick Brosette on there. He had a great year with LSU. Comes from a big SEC program where he was a starter. Has NFL experience. Has been coached by Bill Belichick. So I think Nick Brosette may be jumping in there as well. And, you know, to close out the running backs, you do still have Khalid Abdullah. And here's the thing. He must have impressed coaches because for them to have a four running back staff, on a 52-man roster when they have like seven wide receivers, I think I count. <laughs> it's It shows that, you know, he did some things that impressed him. Also, it's kind of cool. He's a local 
local kid that went to James Madison University. So I'm looking forward to him trying to trying to make a name for himself. Um, any questions there? I don't want to like talk over anybody. No, I mean that, that aligns really well with with our thoughts um, at those at those two positions. Um, perfect, perfect. And yeah. and then you know we jump into wide receiver. <laughs> and and Jackson, you know, up six seven, almost two fifty, oh, two yeah. four five nine forty, um, potentially be electric. So I mean, it gives you confidence that if you know Cardinal has to miss a game, gets banged up, um, for mm-hmm. position. So we're yeah, no worries, no worries there. And and I think everything you said about the the running back tandem uh, or, or or group uh, was, was spot on. Awesome, sounds good. Well, we we jump into wide receivers here, and I mean. The the unit that Pep Hamilton has put together is off the wall. I, I mean, just off the wall here. Uh, you have Rashad Ross, the number one wide receiver from the AAF, uh, a name that should be recognizable to basically any Redskins fan because he did great, you know, against some of these legendary matchups, at least within the 2010s. It's so one of the few... Uh, matchups against the Dallas Cowboys where, you know, we can look back with fond memories. It was typically Rashad Ross that was having a big game there, um, you know, in that like 2012-ish season. Um, and then I think, you know, you have Eli Rogers, who his rookie year with the Pittsburgh Steelers was seemingly about to go off. I mean, you know, he had almost 600 yards his rookie year. Um, and then obviously things kind of fell apart from there. But you know, he's trying to get back to the NFL. He has a ton of speed. You have DeAndre Tompkins, ton of speed. You've acquired Simi Cobbs, who um, by all accounts, you know, like I've always seen him as somebody that has reliable hands, really good size, good possession receiver. You know, like he's kind of reminds me of like what Pierre Garçon used to be for the Washington Redskins, where it doesn't seem like a guy that's scared to take a hit. doesn't seem like a guy scared to go over the middle. Uh, they acquired Jalen Rowell, big speed guy, comes from like a triple style, uh, triple option style offense with Air Force Academy. Serve the country. Great story there. I'm enjoying, I'm going to enjoy watching him try to earn a spot to uh, jump into the NFL. Uh, Tyler Polka, who was a quarterback at the Division II ranks, uh, going to be playing wide receiver for the DC defenders. Keep a lookout for him because he could be a major factor in that double forward pass uh, rule that the XFL has instituted. Um, that you know they they have Dion Holloman, who's a big speed guy. I've I've seen that maybe he's potentially injured, so he could start the season on IR. Although that's not end all be all. Uh, we also do have uh, Malachi Dupree out of LSU championship winning LSU. He is six foot four, one ninety five, listed on their roster. So I mean, just a really good big body. Maybe we can do some corner fade routes in the end zone with him. Um, so that really does it for wide receiver. Just super deep. You know, I was having a casual conversation with Pep Hamilton, and I get the vibe that he's going to rely heavily on the run game. And the reason why he's going hard to the paint for these wide receivers is because uh, he thinks he's going to get some one-on-one matchups because he'll be running that ball so well. Uh, You get to tight end. You have NFL experience tight end Kahari Lee, who is local, went to uh, HBCU, uh, Bowie State. Uh, So he's a local boy from Maryland, NFL experience, 
good size, good hands. Uh, as far as I've heard, he did uh, pretty good in training camp. You have Donnie Ernsberger. Uh, Donnie, NFL experience, uh, big body. Uh, you could tell, like you saw him and you knew he was a tight end from the jump. Um, and then they do also have Hayward, a tight end from the University of Maryland. That seems like he'll round out that tight end unit. Um, and then finally, uh, you get to the offensive line. Um, I like John Toth as their starting center personally. Uh, no guarantee that he's going to be starting center, but I like his size. He's six foot five, but he's slim. He's listed at 298, which, you know, for a six foot five offensive lineman, not huge. Uh, he comes from SEC uh, Kentucky. Um, you know, he, they, they focused a lot on length for offensive line. When these guys were walking past, you could tell they're just big dudes. Uh, we're talking six foot six, six foot five across the board. Um, slim, nobody too big. You know, nobody stood out as being too hefty. Uh, you can tell that this is going to be a mobile offensive line unit. Wow, interesting. Uh, we. We were looking at this this group as well, um, and and wondering the the big guy I was, that stood out for me, um, not as tall but more of a road grader was Richard Cook. Uh, I thought might might be a starter. What's your impression on that at the at the guard position? Yeah, guard is and offensive line in general is just really hard to tell because uh, content teams weren't exactly talking about the big boys on the line. So, um, I, I mean, just off of his pedigree. Right. You know, like it, he could be a really good option at the guard. But, um, I mean, some of these guys across the offensive line all have pretty solid pedigrees. So we'll see what happens. You know, I, I thought Chase Ferris, uh, who was offensive guard out of Ohio State, was going to get a good run at guard. But he ended up being one of these ones on these on this supposed uh, draft diamonds cut list, which, as we talked earlier, may not be fully accurate. But um, I'm pretty confident, considering he was not announced today, that um, he's he's most likely not going to be on the team. Unfortunately, um, I do like Malcolm Bunch at offensive tackle, six foot six, three twenty six, out of UCLA. Um, really good NFL experience. He was actually a fourth round pick in the NFL. So um, I do have some confidence that maybe he'll be the one protecting the blind side. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, there's talent uh, at that position. Uh, DeAndre Wesley, Cole Boozer both um, had had some NFL camp experience um, at tackle. Um, mm-hmm. Notice that that there was a leaning towards the tackles that seemed like were on the kept list. There were a couple who also are capable of playing guard. Only three guards that I saw um, were being kept. So it seems like they were really looking for versatility um, in the depth on the line, mm-hmm. uh, which makes which makes a lot of sense. You want utility players and guys that can move from position to position. Uh, I want to say to anybody who's listening, we've we've gone five minutes over our are guaranteed 30 minutes, uh, but we don't always have a special guest and we're really glad Connor that you're here. So we're going to, we're going to keep rolling. Um, I do want to ask you, I mean, you listed the receiving core. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin and I were kicking around and before we knew we had some coats, um, we figured we'd have a big receiver and Dupree was the last remaining big receiver. So we had him as the, the third alongside Ross and Rogers. Do you think Ross Rogers coats? Is that, is that the like, uh, or Cobb, excuse me, coats, uh, Ross Rogers uh, and Simi Cobb would be the starting trio. What's your impression there? 
who do you think the, the three receivers will be? Um, I don't know if Simi Cobbs is going to be starting right off the bat, to be completely honest. I could see the coaching staff relying on some receivers that have been in that offense, been in that camp for a little bit here. So um, I, I think Simi Cobbs is in a situation where he's going to earn that that video, you know, earn that playing time. So uh, just kind of keep a lookout for that. I think as far as starting wide receivers go, we're looking at uh, DeAndre Tompkins. Um, you know, I do like having a big body receiver there at the slot. So, you know, I think Malachi Dupree could easily be a starting slot receiver and on the outside, you know, like it's a battle between Eli Rogers and and Rashad Ross. I mean, Ross is obviously excellent. You know, we know his speed, we know his big play ability, but, um, I mean, Eli Rogers with that pedi- that recent pedigree, uh, that speed that he possesses, you know, they're, they're very similar type of wide receivers, you know, like uh, somewhat the same height, same body type, you know, they're, they're speed guys. You know, I think that's their primary skill set. So um, it'll be kind of a battle out to see who's on that outside um, opposite DeAndre Tompkins. I'm pretty confident DeAndre Tompkins is going to be uh, that first starter, though, uh, just based off of what I was seeing from the content team. Okay. Uh, he looked he looked good, and also I believe he's listed at like six foot two, so he's not exactly a small body. Or no, he's listed at five eleven, but he's he's a speed guy. I mean, he was an excellent return man at Penn yeah. State, um, and uh, you know I think he'll he'll win some one on one matchups. I think he'll make a name for himself for sure. Yeah, seeing some of the cuts, I I was thinking you know he might be the lead return man. In fact, and I was wondering with that if if he would be in every you know every down player. Mm-hmm be the fourth receiver. Um, he is, I think a little more, a little more slight, but certainly explosive. Um, mm-hmm. speculation Rogers might lead the league in catches. Um, he, by all accounts, has great hands and obviously with a ton of NFL experience and come on Steelers fans, uh, get on board with the defenders, uh, been pushing been pushing that because Eli Rogers was a really popular player there. And I think, uh, many Steelers fans wish he was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, what are, what are your thoughts on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, definitely. Let me go ahead and go through this defensive side of the ball. And uh, listeners, obviously, I am sorry that we've gone over time. It is obviously my fault. Good content. (laughs) We're not going to stop you. No, it's been been fun listening, and we know that you've sort of got an ear to the ground uh, that that we don't have as as fans. We're we're doing our best to read read the tea leaves and try to understand what what we're seeing from, like you said, the content team. But uh, we we don't have that inside. Mm -hmm. We're not talking to Pep Hamilton. Uh, we're glad that you are. So yeah. Talk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, you know, we go to the defensive line side of the ball. Um, I have no clue who's going to start here because we have a whole, uh, whole group of guys that I think have some potential and some solid pedigrees. Um, for one thing, I have a feeling that this may be a three, four defense considering we have nose tackles listed on this roster. Um, we wouldn't have nose tackles listed if this was a 4-3 defense, obviously, because it's defensive ends and defensive tackles primarily on that defensive line. Um, I will say nose tackles are some, you know, these these guys are some big boys. Uh, we have Kalani Vakamailalo. Uh, I butchered his name. I am super <laughs> sorry to him. But as far as like the Samoan, the Pacific Islander, and the Hawaiian names, I'm going to have some trouble stating those, obviously. Um, 
Kalani uh, comes from Oregon State, just big body, 6'3", 322. I saw him at the open house today. Dude's a giant man. You know, I, if I'm a running back, I'm not going to be super excited about facing him. Also, we have Elijah Qualls, who, uh, you know, he's he's a little bit more like a bowling ball, which I like. You know, he's six foot one, but he's 337, you know, and saw him at open house today. Elijah was having some fun with fans, you know, dancing, uh, getting into it. So I'm excited to see what he does there out of University of Washington. We have Ohio State defensive tackle Tracy Sprinkle. Sprinkle's an interesting body type. He's 6'2", 287, which is, you know, going to be a little light for a defensive tackle. But, you know, from all accounts during camp, you know, he's a good athlete. We have Kenny Bigelow out of West Virginia. You know, maybe Jay Bromley's going to get a start. I mean, I mean, Jay Bromley comes with a really advanced NFL pedigree. He's played, uh, I can't remember the exact number of games, but I want to say it's like in the 60s. He's played in the 60s worth of NFL games. Um, big body, six three two ninety seven comes out of the Cuse. Um, so, you know, I feel really good about that acquisition on their part. Connor, um, did, you, did you square up on any of these guys and give them the old Chris Farley weight room routine? Uh, you guys, you guys know the weight room is? Check it out. Uh, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think they were uh, like – when you're around these guys, and I was around a lot of our offensive linemen, defensive linemen, at the Washington Redskins, uh, you kind of just feel like you're a different species when you're just like an average guy, you know, hit me. I'm at like five, nine and a half. And I'm like, you know, like 195. Like I'm just like a super average dude. And like, Oh man, let me tell you, you feel kind of insignificant when you're around these big dudes. I mean, like they're, hey, they, they just have some, some blessed traits. Let me tell you, you know, to just, end up being, you know, at a solid height and be a, being able to keep on or, or gain the necessary weight required for playing certain positions. You know, if you're six, three, you're three twenty, yet you can run a four, nine 40 or something like that. You know, you can throw up 30, 30 presses of two twenty five. I mean, ugh, talk about some blessed traits right there. So I can tell you, I bet you guys would have felt the same, you know, just being in that room and, you know, the defenders offered amazing access to fans today. Fans were just walking up to players left and right. Players were super available. And honestly, I think a lot of them were very excited to meet the fans. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it was interesting, you know, like uh, it's, it's good to be around these guys for sure. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, we also have Tavares Barnes on the defensive unit, you know, and I'm sure Tavares Barnes is recognizable name wise to some of our fans because he's out of Clemson and was making a big impact on their defensive line. Uh, he did have a stint with the Washington Redskins. Surprise, he hasn't been able to catch on with the NFL, if I'm going to be completely honest. Slim body type, he's 6'4", but he's listed at 267 on this roster right here. So I'm looking forward to this defensive line. They're they're athletic, you know. Maybe they're not the beefiest defensive line I've ever seen, but really athletic. Then we get into the linebacking core. I'll admit it completely biased. I'm from Georgia Southern. I'm a Georgia Southern Eagle through and through. But the most excited guy I'm, I'm here for is Antoine Williams. Antoine Williams was a uh, – sixth round or fifth round pick into the NFL to the Detroit Lions played some significant time his rookie year for whatever reason they let go of him heading into his second season to this day don't really get it because he's a big body he's 6'3 
yeah. runs like a safety and he's he's uh he, he's a pretty thick dude he's uh you know he, he's good against the run i think he's fast enough easily that he can keep up with some tight ends and you know honestly like if you're just breaking it down to nfl potential i see him as an excellent excellent possibility on special teams so you know i'm hoping he gets some good game tape here with the defenders and can get back to the nfl uh, you know, he spent an entire year with the Vikings practice squad and he spent almost this entire past NFL season with the Carolina Panthers practice squad. So, um, you know, I think it's a good sign that a player like him is taking a look at the XFL. And then obviously, you know, they they picked one of the biggest defensive names in the XFL draft pool and Scooby Wright. Scooby okay. Wright, All-American, big draft pick possibility, uh, you know, played some time in the NFL uh, you know, there was a time where he was projected to go first round in the NFL. And then obviously, you know, some injuries, some different things happened that pushed him down draft boards. Uh, we also had AJ, uh, AJ Tartley. Tartley uh, played for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, like his first defensive snap was like an interception with the Bills. And uh, heading into his second season, he abruptly retired. So this made a lot of waves in the NFL before CT started really being reported on. Um, AJ retired and you know walked away from the game, but uh, recently with the AAF and the San Diego Fleet, he jumped back in. So uh, Tarpley is certainly going to be playing a role on that linebacking core as well. And uh, just based off of hype from coaching staff, hype from content team, you know it seems like Sam Montgomery is going to be our big pass rush guy. Uh, Sam Montgomery, outside linebacker, six foot three, about two fifty, out of LSU. Uh, you know, he, he's coming from LSU, uh, had a really good pass rushing pedigree with LSU. And then like I announced today, we also have recently signed Jonathan Massacoy, which obviously through his Birmingham iron experience, um, you know, he brings something to the table there as far as pass rushing goes, has some NFL experience, played three seasons with the Atlanta Falcons and uh had you know six sacks he had four sacks in one season so he obviously showed a little something something against some of the best offensive tackles in the world so he's uh he hasn't been in the nfl based on my research since like 2016 so you know i think he has something to prove and i'm looking forward to it for john baby for john <laughs> yes <laughs> that's my iron anthem r.i.p aaf oh man it hurts me it hurts me, but it was it was fun while it lasted. Uh, hopefully, some of those some of those cities will get will get teams back uh, as the XFL uh, grows and, and continues in its success. And it was it was interesting. It's been one of the things that's been interesting to me is that St. Louis, the only sort of non NFL city among the XFL teams, is far and away the most popular in terms of its follows and engagement um, uh-huh. media. And I, th- I think it's not a coincidence that some of the same sort of groundswell that, that buoyed the, the AAF franchises or, or carrying that St. Louis franchise. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, in, in bigger markets, especially uh, it's mm-hmm. the engagement's been lower, like in LA and, and New York a little bit have been on the bottom half. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I think the way the league looks at it is, you know, the AAF, their two lowest performing franchises was Salt Lake and Arizona. Uh, but those franchises were averaging less than 10,000 fans a game. So I think the XFL is thinking, even if the two lowest performing franchises are New York and LA, like who cares? Because they are one of the biggest flagships for us getting this amazing TV broadcast deal. 
you know, I don't have any confirmation of this, of course. I mean, league sources aren't telling me like this depth of information, but I do believe that, you know, one of the main reasons they have that level of broadcast deal with ABC, ESPN, Fox is because they're playing in big media markets like New York and LA. Uh, I have a feeling they wouldn't have been able to get that type of TV deal without it. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that really hamstrung the AAF. Honestly, you know, they had live streaming on like Bleacher Report, which just, you know, a lot of people aren't going to go through the effort to do that. Uh, Salt Lake City doesn't get these big broadcasters excited like New York or LA does. It's just a fact. So now I'm hoping as we approach expansion, this is just like my personal wishes, but I'd, I'd love to see them look at Oklahoma City, you know, a non-NFL city. I'd love to see them take a look at San Diego. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see them take a look at some of these uh, NFL markets that may be yearning for an alternative to the NFL team. Big thing, Chicago. I don't know if y'all saw, but Chicago recently raised their season ticket prices after an 8-8 eight and eight season in which their first-round pick quarterback was an extreme disappointment. So let's give some Chicago football fans something to take a look at when it's a little bit warmer in the spring. Um, so I'm hoping they consider markets like that. That's, those are good points. Yeah, no, I like all that. So season's right around the corner, about two weeks away. Um, how are you thinking the league's going to shape up as a whole? So give us kind of your rundown of how you think the league standings might look at the end of the season and who you got as your champion. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I do have a favorite. Um, I, I think Dallas Renegades just really have something together that I think will be consistent throughout the season. I think one of the most important things is consistency. You know, like, some of these teams are going to go through waves and waves of, of performance. I mean, like, they'll have games where they look terrible. They will have games where they look somewhat decent. Um, I think Renegades have what it takes to be consistent. I mean, that offense – alone gives me hope they're they're
Connor, I'm holding Austin back. I think he's ready to fight. Everything was going so well. Come out with Dallas uh, as your as your favorite. Uh, everything everything was great until then. I'm 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 holding him back from the microphone. He's contemplating throwing it. Uh, now <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, now we we think Dallas is going to be tough as well. Um, yeah, Austin. What about you? Where who are you seeing as the uh, potential league champions? I can't imagine. Um, well, yeah, like Connor said, DC looks really good on paper. So obviously, you know, 10 and 0 season, I mean, why not? But no, honestly, I, th- I can see DC fighting for a title. I, um, and also, like you said, Dallas, Dallas looks really good on paper as well. And it'll be interesting to see those two match up in the first ever new XFL championship game. Well, I've got I've got DC too. So that's two to one, Connor. You're clearly wrong about this <laughs> Dallas prediction. Uh, I don't know if you know this is the Defenders podcast. Uh, I, I appreciate that you tried to come behind, but uh, I mean, slow down with the Dallas thing. Uh, Bob Stoops, la di da. Defenders, Defenders rule. Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm making light. I uh, couldn't resist. Um, no, you've been your the in depth knowledge. Uh, that you bring about some of these players has been really impressive. You know, Austin, I've been, been following and reading up um, and, and really, really learned a lot about the defenders. But it's clear league wide uh, you bring uh, an awareness about, about these players and these teams that very few have. Um, are there other teams that you think are going to be, you know, fighting to stay out of the cellar? No, absolutely, and, and yeah, to get, like you mentioned um, as we were talking the lead up to this. Not only is this an audition for the players, but it's an audition for the coaches too. Um, you know, many of these guys have extensive experiences um, in the professional ranks or in the college ranks as coordinators. Um, you were commenting that 
that you you know could envision some of these coaches really parlaying some success here into a chance back in the NFL or in maybe a Power Five uh, position? Um, are there coaches you we have your eye on? When Jim pops in my head, sorry to interrupt, but I think of the fake punt against the Giants on Monday Night Football. That might have been one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. So that's that's the lasting memory that Jim Zorn has left me. So whenever I hear his name, I think of that night. It was a cold at X Field, and that that was kind of the end for me with the Jim Zorn era.
Yeah, well, you know, thinking about the point you made about about Stoops, maybe this is this is the perfect spot for any coach coaching guys who are hungry for more is uh, what they want, right? So it's a perfect opportunity to, to coach and mold guys um, who are hungry, who you know want to climb uh, the ladder to the next level. So I can imagine for for a coach, this would be an exciting opportunity um, and uh, a chance for them to to prove themselves, but maybe, maybe just to, like you said, enjoy, really enjoy coaching in a, in a pure form. Um, these guys are not multimillionaires, uh, giant egos. They're, they are hungry. They are football players. And, uh, one of the many, many things that's exciting about the XFL, um, Connor, it has been an absolute delight to have you on. We'd certainly love to have you back and hope, hope we can. Um, just want to thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your expertise. Uh, it's been absolutely our pleasure uh, to have you. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Connor. Great to have you. Uh, Thanks, Defenders fans, for listening. We'll be back again soon talking about week one. We can't wait. We know you can't either. This has been the Dodd Pod, episode three, our first ever double pod uh, featuring Connor, XFL, Connor Folk. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.